to show. And we are live. Welcome back, Miss Tiana Taylor. How are you? I'm good, Jake. Thank you for inviting me back on. Oh, no, absolutely. I, I, you are one of the few guests that well, I, I wish I could have on more, actually. Um, we've This is a third or fourth recording together. So I think that says, says enough. Like, oh, this is a guest that I think the fans like to hear and i enjoy talking with you and i'd like to think that you enjoy being on here so yeah i do yeah good good so um last time we spoke you you know had the knee injury and surgery and everything so how's everything going with your recovery um i can't remember exactly when the last podcast was that we did but i had um my second acl surgery in 30 months, it back in March. And um, anyone who knows about ACL surgery knows that it's a really bad injury to have. The recovery time is really long and it's it's really frustrating and progress can be quite slow. So I'm still rehabbing at the moment, um, just taking each day as it comes. But I realised that after the second ACL surgery, my confidence really, really took a hit. It really did affect um, my identity as an athlete because I, although I'm a blue belt and I'm not a, you know, a world-class black belt, I do consider myself an athlete. I dedicate a lot of time to jiu-jitsu. I'm on the mats a lot. I teach jiu-jitsu. I co-run two clubs. And it's a very big part of my life. And I really did feel that I was losing my identity. And that was causing me, that was causing me problems. I just felt really, really lost. So um, I was actually, so I was carrying on with my rehab. Um, it was a lot better this time because when I had my first ACL surgery um, last year, it was um, before Spain was put into a state of alarm, which means that I couldn't have physio or rehab. And as a result, I developed fibrosis, which is the buildup of scar tissue. So even if I didn't need a second ACL surgery, I would have needed surgery in the first place um, to remove the scar tissue, except that would have been just more of a cleanup surgery and the recovery at time would have been really quite short in comparison but this um the second acl surgery was for a partial rupture at something called the lemaire procedure to strengthen the fibers of my acl and the first surgery i had in february last year was uh, for a full rupture um so yeah it's been tough but this time um despite COVID, I was put on an elite athlete rehab program by the hospital. And that meant that I attended rehab every single day. Um, oh, it was it was tough. It was not easy. It was not easy at all. Um, but I was really grateful for that opportunity. So I did that for about a month or so. Um, then I got discharged from the hospital to rehab on my own but I still 
I still felt like my confidence had taken a massive hit and I had um, and still have a fear of re-injury. So, so one day I was on Instagram and I came across a guy called Dr. Carl Bescobi and his um, at or tag on Instagram is Evolve Your Injury. And I contacted him back in April because I really liked his content. He's um, a sports psychologist and he specializes in the psychological side of being injured, understanding the individual, not just the injury and coming back stronger through adversity. And um, I was looking at his content and I was thinking, okay, this is someone I'd actually really like to work with. And um, he posted a, a lot about how effect, how injury affects mental health. And that particularly got my attention because it's no secret that I have comorbidity with a number of uh, mental health issues. So um, I did a little bit more research into him. He has um, a Bachelor of Science and a Master of Science in Sports Psychology. He has a PhD, a doctorate in psychosocial health rehab from the University of Bath, which is a very reputable university in England. And I was like, this guy knows his stuff. This is the person that I need to be working with. I was actually quite nervous on our first consultation that he would not work with me. I was nervous because with my mental health issues, um, I might be seen as too difficult but he didn't bat an eyelid and we've been working together since April and I've really come a long way. And honestly, you'd really be hard pushed to find someone better than Carl. He really knows his stuff. And my mindset around jujitsu has changed slightly because of my injury and with the work that I've been doing with Carl, I've actually finally accepted that I'm injured because Believe it or not, that was so hard to do because I was competing around twice a month. I was training so much. I was always on the mats. I was in in great physical shape. So to go from that to not being able to train at all was so difficult. And like I mentioned, I feel like I'd lost my identity and it, it, it was just a downward spiral. So I felt that I really needed support from a professional um and Carl has been absolutely amazing I highly recommend him to anyone who has a sports injury and to clarify you don't have to have mental health problems to work with him he um supports meaningful meaningful experiences and psychological flexibility after injury um but for me in particular, and also actually a lot of people, the fear of re-injury is very, very prominent. So that's what we've been working on, and I've definitely seen some improvements. That's good. It's interesting to hear um, just to have someone that can focus on the mental health side or the psychological side of an injury because that is something I think a lot of athletes – a lot of people in general tend to 
not really connect or even, you know, factor in, you know, you just think, oh, I'm hurt. And the thing is, it's so prominent. It's like right there in your face. It's just, I think it's so close that we just don't acknowledge it because I know of myself when, you know, I had my little baby rib injury, you know, I, I was down for what, a month and a half, two months. And I was a mess. I mean, and, yeah. you know, even with COVID taking, you know, gems away from a lot of people. And for a lot of us, jujitsu is kind of that escape. And that's just our life, you know, our lives now is training all the time, competing, just being at the gym and having that taken away. There are a lot of people that, you know, struggled, uh, yeah. you know, psychologically because of that, myself being one of those. Um, but um, it, it is interesting, though, that, you know, there's someone out there working in that in that realm. I honestly, I don't think I could ask for better. He really does know his stuff. And because he, he, he is um, also an active researcher, he's not someone who's done a three-month course online and then markets himself as a sports psychologist. He's got, as I said... Um, a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD. He really does know what he's talking about. And like what you said was actually, I think, really important. Um, When COVID hit, there were a lot of people who didn't have mental health problems um, who then experienced them or then, or maybe were, didn't have any mental health problems, but then got injured and then later on developed them because of the injury. So he understands the importance of not overlooking mental health when you're injured. You don't have to have a diagnosis or diagnoses. That's really important to remember. But I feel very privileged and grateful that I found him and that I'm working one-to-one with him. Well, that's good. Again, it sounds like he kind of zeroed in on a, a very overlooked aspect of the injury. So it's good to hear, you know, again, that you uh, found them and you're all working together with your recovery right now, you know, how are you feeling as far as just movement period and then getting around? Um, I can walk okay, but I, if I walk quite long distances, I, my knee does ache. But in comparison to where I was, I really can't complain. But I, before the surgery, I had significant problems going up and down the stairs, and that was due to internal meniscus damage. So during the second surgery, that was sorted out as well. I no longer have problems with stairs, which is great. But I'm taking things one day at a time, and something I've learned through Carl is that rehab is not linear it's very much like a roller coaster. There are ups and downs. So I'm getting uh, something I've definitely stopped doing is playing the comparison game because I feel sometimes with injury, it's almost like a competition of who can get back on the mat sooner. And I, I don't want to play that game. It's my injury. And also my surgeon did warn me that because I was having a second surgery, before I had fully recovered from my first one, my first ACL surgery on the same knee as well, it was going to take longer to recover. But where I'm at now, I'm pleased with because uh, 
as, as, as I mentioned at the beginning, ACL is a serious injury. The, and a lot of people quit. A lot of people quit their sport because of it. But funnily enough, despite having gone through this twice, quitting hasn't crossed my mind. Well, that's good. And I can say just in conversations with you, I, I know that as a fact. It's like just talking with you, I know it's been a struggle. But, you know, the one thing that I never ever got the sense of is that you were done with, with jiu-jitsu. This, you know, jiu-jitsu is that thing where I feel like, you know, once you find it, you realize, you know, this is what you love. This is what you, you know, this is what you do. You don't yeah. want to let it go. So, exactly. you know, I, I always felt like in conversation with you, this is um, jujitsu is here to stay with you. And, you know, I'm excited for you, you know, just to get back out there and compete. I, I think when I met you, I think it was right before, you know, your surgery, a few months right before your surgery. So I don't know that. I've seen you, you know, compete or, you know, talk to you, you know, during like competition time. Also, it was during COVID. So competitions were shut down as well. So yeah. I'm excited and looking forward to, you know, that time where you're back on your feet, you're ready to compete. Ooh, that rhymes. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Be a poet and wouldn't even know it. Woo. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that for you just to see you get that joy back and, yeah. and run with it. So um, no, I'm really, I'm excited too, but I'm being, I'm being sensible about things. I'm not going to compete until I'm fully ready to both physically and psychologically as well, because it's not just a case of my knee being better. It's be having the right mindset and being in that right mental space, which is mm -hmm. why for me, it's so important to have the support of a sports psychologist um, especially one who specialises in injury, because I do want to compete and it is something that I'm very passionate about. But yeah, I am excited to compete again. It hasn't put me off competing at all, being good. injured. That's good. And um, during your recovery, you know, just going in for your, your checkups with your your physician, you know, how, did it, how are they looking at it right now? How do they feel about it um, as far as your timetable that's a good question um it's currently august and in spain everything shuts down in july and august because it's mm. summer um mm. so i last saw my surgeon in june he said everything was looking good um i'm due to see him again in the middle of september but um it was just last week I saw a physio who does BJJ and I figured he would be a great uh, physio to see simply because he understands the sport. He's a blue belt as well. And I've still got some work to do on strengthening my quads and um, generally getting my legs as strong and my knees as strong as possible but in terms of a timeline um the the timeline and exercises I, I was given from the hospital despite being on an elite athlete program at the end of the at the end of the sessions 
or when I was discharged rather, I was given a generic program, which is not really apt for somebody who does jujitsu. So um, I've had to change that, but I'll feel more reassured um, when I see my surgeon about where I'm at and I have specific questions I'm going to ask him regarding my timeline because obviously they don't generally see athletes. I had a brilliant surgeon. I can't fault him at all. Um, but there are. I do want to make the timeline a lot clearer in my mind but as he did as he did point out to me I did have surgery on top of another surgery that hadn't healed so my timeline is going to look different to somebody else's who's going to look different to someone else's so that's where I think comparison of recovery is not useful at all sure and, and the thing is too everyone's body is different so you know the way that you heal might be faster than someone else's someone else might then heal faster than you yeah um and then also like you said you had surgery on top of you know another injury that wasn't fully recovered so there, there are things that factor in there uh, one thing that you know i want to kind of go back to is the strengthening of the quad uh, mm. recently i was having some knee issues at our gym we were going over takedowns for the entire month and almost immediately my left knee was just after you know one class i think i just destroyed my leg um i went to visit a friend whose wife is a physical therapist mm -hmm. and you know they asked hey dante you know how are things how's jiu-jitsu going i was like yeah, i've been you know kind of on the shelf for a few weeks now and his wife says, well, what's going on? And I sort of explained, well, my knee's giving me some trouble. It, it hasn't been feeling too great. So she was like, here, come here. I was like, no, 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 I'll be okay. I'll be okay. She was like, no, come here. And my buddy goes, dude, just go. She's not <laughs> going to leave you alone. Like, we're not going to be able to record or watch this movie or anything if you don't go over to her and let her examine your knee. <laughs> so I go over, I sit flat on the floor you know, with my legs extended, and she asked me to uh, flex my quad on my right leg. Everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And she asked me to flex my quad on my left leg, which was the knee that was uh, giving me trouble. And I felt like I was flexing. She was like, no, come on, flex. I was like, I, well, I am. <laughs> I, just, I just did it three times. She was like, okay, so there's your problem, your quad you need to, you know, strengthen your quad. You know, what what kind of stretches are you doing? What you know, what kind of work are you doing? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, and it's funny because she's such a sweet lady, and she like you know, the doctor came out in her, and I felt like I was being scolded. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, I've never, I've known her for over twenty years. I was like, I've never ever seen this side of her. I was, I, I was <laughs> a little scared because I was like, dude, I feel like I'm in trouble right now. But uh, she gave me a handful of exercises and stretches to do, and almost instantly, my leg felt better. I've been feeling fine since. But I think you know that that strengthening the quad you know, has a huge effect on the knee, just, yeah. just, you know, the quad in general has a huge effect on the knee. So, you know, 
and, and maybe everybody else knows this but me. <laughs> this maybe this is just news to me. I don't I don't freaking know. But yeah, hearing that I was like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I know that. I, I get that reference now. She's talking <laughs> about quads and knees. I know it. Um but good, you know, I, I'm you know, in a few weeks, you know, it sounds like, you know, maybe two, three weeks you'll be seeing your surgeon and getting everything kind of you know, reevaluated and checked out. So that's good upcoming too. Like, sounds like everything's going, you know, in a good direction for you. Yeah, yeah. There will, there, I understand there will be ups and downs, but, yeah, compared to last year with COVID, meaning I couldn't have access to anyone, that was really tough. Yeah, and I think also just kind of touching back to things that you're saying, you know, just understanding, you know, hey, this ain't the end for me. I, I know that I'm recovering differently, but I am recovering. That's the important thing is that you're you're recovering. There's some people that don't even realize that, you know, you're recovering, but it's slow in small steps. Yeah. And, and we all want, we want that quick recovery. Give me the, the magic pill and make this go away fast, which there ain't one. Well, I'm sure there is. And <laughs> I, I think it's called growth, but I'm not touching that. Hey, 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 don't be putting our business out there. I know some people. <laughs> like, I don't know some people, but I know some people that know some people that might know some other people, you know. So, you know, call me afterward if you need. <laughs> um, I'm just joking for anyone that's listening. I don't know anyone that has any growth. <laughs> so, please don't at me at all. Please. <laughs> Like on Tuesday, I'll get all these messages. So, but you said you had the hookup. Like, the fuck if I did, dude, I make things up 90% of the time. Oh, <sighs> dear. So, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I know also just during this time to just with the recovery and competitions opening back up, that's, that's got to be frustrating, but you know. Yeah, but in the UK, um, competitions are opening up in Spain they're opening up but I've accepted and this and this acceptance has come with the help of um, Carl my sports injury sports psychologist I've accepted that I'm injured I had as I said so many problems accepting that I wouldn't be able to compete anytime soon and now I'm like okay there are competitions on so if there are competitions on now, there are going to be competitions on when my knee is recovered. So um, I don't think it, it, I, I do. Obviously, on Instagram or social media, I see people competing. But I know that as much as it pains me metaphorically, it will physically pain me in a potentially catastrophic way if I was to compete now. So. It's I, I've accepted I'm injured. I I do what I can in terms of helping at the club with teaching some of the fundamentals. So I'm still involved in jiu-jitsu. I'm not just rehabbing um, on my own. I am around my teammates because social support's really important when you're injured as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I find sometimes I just go upstairs and stretch on the mats in the corner while my teammates are training and doing the main class but yeah with, with regards to competitions they are back on in Spain they've started up again in the UK but unfortunately at this moment in time I cannot compete but in the future I most definitely will be competing there is no question about that good and 
has your your team gone to any competitions recently that have opened up? Yes, there was one um, a couple of months ago, and I think there are about six of our guys competing, and they they all did well. For some of them, it was their first comp. Um, obviously, everyone had to be PCR tested, had the COVID test to make sure they were negative. Everyone was negative, which was great. And um, yeah, people are keen to compete. They've done well. Um, one of our one of our girls. Um, won gold, another guy got silver, another guy got bronze. I can't remember what. They're the ones that stick out because they're quite a number of fights. But, yeah, the competition scene um, opened up here earlier than in the UK. Um, but jiu-jitsu isn't going anywhere. That's something else I've learned. Jiu-jitsu is not going anywhere. The mats aren't going anywhere. So for me personally right now, I have to focus on recovery, getting myself really strong, getting my mindset really strong. And as you quoted, your comeback will be spectacular. So <laughs> I hope that is the case. I believe it will be. Looking back on just not everything, not just the injury, but um, jujitsu period, I guess kind of in a smaller window. Um, once up, <clears throat> sorry. What is something that you wish you would have done differently um kind of i guess yeah i guess in this kind of pocket of like the injury like prior to the injury what's something that you wish you would have done differently i guess going into training and competition and everything um to be honest nothing because i have been i i understood the importance of mindset from watching my partner compete because when we met he was a purple belt and I wasn't involved in jiu-jitsu at all um so I would travel around the UK watching him compete and um I have been working on mindset since about 2010 so quite a long time and it was it wasn't for sport it was for everyday life and then Obviously, getting into jiu-jitsu, I saw um, how important mindset is. And um, when traveling around with my partner and watching him compete, I would see fighters lose their first match and they'd be really deflated. But they had another fight. So it's like, you've got to met. I was like, come on. I, I remember I remember one particular competition. Um, a guy lost. Um, the other guy got his hand raised. And his opponent was looking at the ground, really, like, disappointed. But he had another fight due to how the brackets were organized. And I was thinking, come on, dude. You, you've got this. You can do this. It's Because the mind is so powerful. And I, I would say that's the most important thing I went into jiu-jitsu with um, was understanding mindset. Now, just because I understand it, it doesn't mean I'm a master of it. I'm always learning. I'm always evolving. Um, I really believe in self-growth and personal development. So there's you can never know too much. But to be honest, when... when um, training, competing, I don't think I would have changed anything. Maybe except, except, I think actually, 
known that you were meant to wear shorts under your gi pants because I did not know that. And that sounds really stupid. That's what, especially when I have... <laughs> the it, thing it is, in, in my defence, in my defence, this still sounds really stupid. My partner and I did not train at the same club. But uh, yeah, now I make sure I wear shorts under my... Uh, my gi pants and not just my underwear my first so when i started training for the longest time i was i didn't have a gi i was just showing up to gi class with no gi kind of disrespectful i guess in retrospect my bad y'all but eventually i got a gi and i don't know why it didn't occur to me i was showing up and even showing up for no gi i was just showing up in basketball shorts um, it didn't occur to me to wear those basketball shorts underneath my gi pants. So, and just, it, 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 I had a disaster, but it's okay. We learn. So yeah, we live and learn. We yeah, live so and learn. Anyone listening who hasn't yet started jujitsu, but you will eventually, Hey, like shorts under your gi, uh, spats, something, not, not your yeah. draws. <laughs> Because if if you go in there and like the gi pants start to sag down, yeah, we're gonna know your business. <laughs> Unfortunately, so yeah. But hey, I mean, it happens. It ha- it does. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen to me now, but I have seen. I've still seen it happen since. But that's that's the whole learning process. You learn and you keep going. Like Indeed. like you said though there's always something to learn. So, yeah. And and that's just one of those important lessons of life in jujitsu. So I guess kind of shifting a little bit now, um, just general, just general conversation and um, silliness from my side here. Cause, Mm -hmm. cause I've been, I've been looking at like a whole bunch of just like, bizarre questions to ask on podcasts and have <laughs> oh, funsies goodness. with people. They're, no, they're not going to be, no, I'm going to save the really messed up ones for um, my co-host on Colompton because <laughs> I like to throw him off with questions about just like not super personal stuff, but things that makes him like, he'll, he'll, he'll get mad. Oh, like, okay. okay. I'll ask him something like, Hey, so, you know, what's like, Tell me something your parents might be disappointed in about you. And he'll just, he'll pause and he'll look at me. He's like, why, why, why would you do that? Why would you ask me that question? I was like, well, because I want to know the answer. <laughs> and, and, and it goes both ways, though. Because, you know, if I ask the question, I'm going to give him an answer from my yeah. side, too. I just like to ask him these questions without him having the chance to think about it. Because I, I want it to be on the spot. And the unfair part is I got to think about it because I wrote the question. So I get to think about my answer. Like, <laughs> and honestly, I'm pretty sure I wasn't even truthful about what my parents might be disappointed in. I think I just made something goofy up. Yeah, well, I would t- so. with that question, with, I would totally make up the answer. <laughs> it's like, I, I honestly don't know what my, my grandparents who raised me, I don't know what they'd be disappointed in. I'm sure there's plenty to pick from, but I think I just made something goofy up. And I can't even remember that answer. I probably got to go back and listen to one of those episodes to find it. But for you, um, what's a bad habit right now that you have that you're trying to break? In general? <laughs> In general. Um, eating chocolate. Or rather too much chocolate, I should say. I don't think that's a bad habit at all. 
it is where it, <laughs> but when you want to get i want to get back down to my fighting weight so in that sense yeah okay is. you win <laughs> i'll let you have that one um I know with you being from the UK and I, actually because of you, I do have several uh, listeners from Madrid, I, I believe, because after you were on the first couple times, suddenly I see, you know, downloads from Madrid and, and the UK. So thank you for that. So maybe this might, this question and the answer may relate a lot to them, but probably to my listeners here in the U.S., just get with it. Get some culture in your lives. But um, <laughs> tell me three movies that you think everyone should see. Um, Shawshank Redemption. Okay. I have not seen that. What, really? I, I, I'm going to make a list. I'm actually going to do an episode of movies that everyone has seen, beloved movies that everyone has seen that have not. And there's quite a few. And that's one of them. That's actually at the top of the list that I know I want to watch. And it's here on my TV. I just haven't. I want to sit down and commit to it. I want to put my phone away. Computer, I want to be able to absorb it. So, sorry, go ahead. Okay, so Shawshank Redemption um it's this is a tough one because i want to give four give four the the original question was five (laughs) oh okay (laughs) i I could i could have the three because i was like oh this is kind of a rough one so let me go ahead and just oh no i I, i'm cool with this question okay so number one shawshank redemption number two in pursuit of happiness with will smith haven't seen that either yeah you'll 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 think someone's cutting onions in the room yeah i heard i would cry so that's yeah. probably why I haven't watched it. Not that I'm afraid to cry, but sometimes crying takes a toll on me. Like, yeah, it can be tiring, yes. draining. Um, so Shawshank Redemption, In Pursuit of Happiness, um, Seven Pounds, also with um, Will Smith. Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And finally, The Green Mile. Okay, so I'm, I'm 50-50 there. I've seen two out of those four. So look at that. But- there's, a quote, there's a quote in The Green Mile I really like, and... Um, it's where the prison I can't remember his name, um, but he's on death row, and he says, "I'm tired, boss. I'm mm-hmm. tired of everyone being ugly to each other." And I think that's very relevant to society nowadays because we're so divided in the mm-hmm. UK, in the US. You know, it's it's actually pretty sad. Yeah, I actually uh, about a year ago I reposted that quote. Because it, you know, it was election time over here, so it, it that's exactly how I felt. It was just like, man, like I just talked to a friend the other day at work, and he stopped and asked, you know, he he's looking for, um, looking to rent, and the prices are just so high for everything, and uh, the big part of our industry is supply and demand. We just don't have enough supply. Yeah. So the demand, you know, uh, you know, prices go up and, you know, he says, well, prices are up because of, you know, the new president. And I was like, well, I mean, probably, but not in this case, because we don't we're 98 percent occupied. Like we can't take, you know, something we only have one of and then rent it for super cheap. You know, yeah. like the company's all about making money that that's what that's about. So. 
Yeah, and then it, it, you know, and as he started digging more, I told him, I was like, look, dude, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't talk politics because, as I always tell people, I don't know shit. I don't know enough about politics against an argument, but I do know about human decency, and I know that, um, you know, there's a lot of chaos going on right now, yeah. especially as it relates to our president and and just you know, you know, poor choices. And it's like, look, dude. I don't know shit. I don't want to talk about it because us sitting here arguing about it ain't going to make anything better. It's just really going to divide us more. Yeah. And, you know, with my friends, I like to keep a good collection as far as like just diversity, no matter what you vote, no matter what you feel in your heart about certain things. But I also keep in mind with, you know, all my friends that, we all have our own opinions about things and how, you know, we view it and how we think it should have gone. But at the end of the day, there's, that's no excuse to call someone a name or mistreat a friend. Cause I've seen tons of friendships in over yeah. political beliefs and it's extremely it's such a shame. It's such a shame, isn't it? Because yeah. you can have different beliefs and, still have respect for people's different opinions but i think the problem is when they really try to impose that opinion onto you mm -hmm. not respecting your beliefs whether you're apolitical or you support whichever party yeah it's like i'm the kind of dude that i really don't care it's like <laughs> it's just what's what's affecting my moment right now and I know people can then break it down to, well, you know, this president's here and he's doing this and that's going to affect you. And then we're going to be in concentration camps. It's like, whoa. <laughs> like, that escalated relax. quickly. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> dude, chill. But it, it's, it gets really, really gross. And yeah, like you said, you know, it's exhausting. I'm tired. It's, yeah. Like, we all need to, we need to care more. Um, that's a quote from Knocked Up care more um but i think i've seen i think I, I think i have seen that film or i've seen some of it because i probably fell asleep at some point sounds about right yeah <laughs> you know what i uh, like <laughs> um i've watched that movie more times than any human should watch any movie probably um just because of just all the goofiness to it, it was like this was before i became a parent i was like man i hope that's not what it's like <laughs> um, and then I realized like well I don't go to bars and have one night stands so it shouldn't be that way but but either way we need to care more we need to just you know I always think that there are people that are doing what they think is good that may not be good to someone else yeah. good and bad are at times a point of view now, there are things that are bad that are genuinely bad that we know yeah. are bad but there's sometimes people are doing things where they feel like they're doing the right thing. But for someone else, it's definitely not the right thing. So it's just, I think there are times where we need to take a step back, think and say, hey, is this, how is this helping everyone? Like, how is this going to work in, in, in a, you know, positive way or as positive as possible for as many people as possible? So. Wow, that, that got a little too serious. <laughs> Look at me today. Um, 
what's a movie plot or twist that that just kind of caught you off guard and blew your mind? Um, the Usual Suspects. Ooh, that's a good one. I forget all about that one so much. Yeah, Kaiser Soze. Yeah, I've probably pronounced that wrong. Someone will nope. likely correct me. <laughs> nope, that was that was exactly it. Um, at least from the movie. So let somebody say he was wrong. All right, go tell that to Brian Singer and Kaiser Soze. They, that's they a great film. Wrong. Maybe that's. Yeah. An, I think that's probably the fifth film someone mm-hmm. should definitely see. Yeah, great film. Yeah, yeah there are a lot of. A lot of those those good like from that time period too. It's like there's yeah. so many good twist films like that. Seven. Oh, um, seven is amazing. Seven is so good. Uh, Fight Club. You know, yeah. all, all of those movies had twists. Like, so I'm not gonna ask that to my buddy because he loves Fight Club, and I know if I say, "Tell me a movie that had a twist that blew your mind," and he'll he'll say Fight Club. And then it'll go into trying to discuss Fight Club. Women's like, dude, you know I've seen fucking Fight Club. God knows how many times. I, I've seen it so many times I don't like it anymore. I'm like, I hate it. Yeah, this that movie. can happen. That can happen, definitely. So and the thing is I want to like it. I want to love that movie because it's so good. But it's like, dude, relax. <laughs> like there are other good movies out there. But yes, usual suspects with that twist. And I, I feel like I was aware of that before it happened like someone maybe told me and i still watched it and it still blew my mind another another film it's not as well known as the usual suspects is called side effects it's got (laughs) Catherine zeta jones in it and it's about a woman who is told she's um, mentally ill and there's a big plot twist which i won't spoil for listeners yeah, yeah, because I haven't. I, I'm aware of the movie, but I haven't seen it. But it's actually been popping up on um like things on my TV not recently, but like I want to say in the last six months. So now, now I'm going to check it out. Plus, Catherine Zeta really Jones is like I really like her. She's a good actress. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that good, good, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. I know you like documentaries. We like I true crimes. Yeah. Do you remember or recall a true crime, a true crime case? Like, you know, and seeing it on TV and following it growing up? Or maybe not growing up, but you know, in the past. Um something that really affected the UK um was the murder of two police women. Um, they were called to a house in Manchester and it was because a guy, an uh, infamous guy called Dale Cregan, had phoned the police saying someone had put um, a, um, a concrete slab through his back window. That didn't happen. Really, he just wanted to kill the police. He, did, he hated the police. And the two female officers thought were sent out and their superior believed it was just a, a routine a routine visit regarding what would be not too serious a crime. I mean, you don't really go around smashing people's windows. That's not cool. But they didn't think that, it, that the officers 
who were sent would be in any danger. They thought they were just going to speak to this individual. And he had previously, I think, shot two other people and he shot both officers when they arrived. That was massive in the UK because they were police um, and it really, it it was in the news a lot because, I mean, in the US, a lot of people have guns, but in the UK, it's gang members who have guns. We don't have concealed um, carry licenses or anything like that. No, don't have guns for protection. We like the gun culture is so different. It it's to me mind blowing. But for Americans, I've spoken to Americans who find it mind blowing that we don't have guns in the UK. But you know, um, so this was this was a massive massive case and a very very sad one. Very sad one. It, it sounds. I mean, especially given the culture there and how this went down, that sounds. You know, just very, you know, it's like there's so many questions. Yeah. So, there are also wow. so many documentaries on it if you're interested. I am actually because I'm always interested in, you know, when stuff happens here in the U.S., I mean, it, it's almost like we have so many documentaries about all the little things that happen here, whether it be the Son of Sam, Zodiac Killer, um, uh, the, the Night Stalker you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, things like that. There's so many documentaries yeah. and so many different movies about, about these individuals. And it, it's almost kind of like you're desensitized to it, but to hear about something, you know, in another country, you know, where the culture is completely different. It's like, okay, I want to hear that story because it, you know, having not left the United States, just, you know, I've never left the U S I, you know, I don't know what it's like elsewhere. Yeah. I, I only have accounts of, you know, other countries, you know, would speak with individuals like yourself. Um, my friend, Johan, who's up in Sweden. Um, my friend, um, Andy, who's in uh, Northern Ireland. You know, I, I get, a, you know, conversations with you all and it's like, oh, okay, huh. That's interesting. I, I, I never knew. I, you know, I, I still can't really understand. So, you know, to see you know, a documentary or, you know, just kind of dig into that case would be interesting to, you know, just, you know, kind of unfold. Yeah. So here there's almost so many, it's almost like true crime is like our culture at this point, you know, it's, you know, growing up, there's the OJ Simpson case. Yeah. You know, it was huge because he was a star athlete and, you know, you know, on the cusp of becoming it, you know, he, he'd been in the naked gun movies. He was supposed to be the Terminator um, back in the, in the early eighties. And, you know, here he is now being chased by the police in his white Bronco. And yeah, I've seen a lot of documentaries on him as well. It's crazy. Um, and then um, one that I remember very, I don't want to say clearly, but it, it, the John Bonet Ramsey um, case. Oh yes, yes. I re- the reason I really like there's there are there's a particular documentary that's in two parts, and the reason I really like that is because um, 
I'm really interested in forensic linguistic analysis. So like I would love to work with the police and analyze language used by suspects. And that ransom note, if you when the language is analyzed, it's extremely interesting. I I remember being in Detroit for Christmas that year visiting family. And I remember that that story was all over the news during Christmas time. And, you know, it. I think the reason why it's interesting to me, and, and it's at first I was kind of annoyed by it because being in Detroit, violence is almost kind of a norm there. Yeah. And a woman had been shot and killed. And she was pregnant. Her child was bo- like, she, like they was able to um, birth the child. Mm-hmm. They never found the killers. It didn't sound like they were looking for the killers. Meanwhile, on the national stage, we got this story of this little girl, you know, who had been, you know, murdered. And I, I remember just being kind of confused, you know, as a kid, like, well, why is this not getting coverage? This is only local coverage, but this is national coverage because that's in Colorado. And I'm here in Detroit right now hearing this story, but I bet they're not hearing this tr- story from Detroit in Colorado. Yeah. Um, but then when you really look at it, though, too, it's just, you know, as I got older, I kind of understood. I was like, look, this is kind of a big thing because what the fuck is going on? Somebody, you know, broke into their house and tied their kid up and then killed her. Like, this and doesn't put her make- in the basement and practice the and practice the ransom note three times. And it was three pages yeah. long. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like this this like this is a fucking movie. Like yeah. this isn't real life, is it? So um uh, but the John Bonet Ramsey and the OJ, which oddly enough are like kind of back to back to each other. Um so those those two cases I know for me growing up, just you couldn't get away from them. And then years later, I think um there's a TV series called The People versus O.J. Simpson that was I thought was really well done. That was on that series is on. Um, it's called um, American Crime Story, uh, kind of based off. Of, it's by the same creators uh, who did uh, American Horror Story. And I was hoping they would do a story on the John Bonet Ramsey case, which I'm sure they might do it. But as soon as they talked about kind of the theme behind that show. You know, like taking real cases and, um, you know, kind of doing a reenactment based on, you know, a book of some sort. I was really hoping they'd go into the John Bonet Ramsey case because I feel like that's just a huge one that, and I, I guess on one note of it though, too, there is when you do something like that, as much as the general public, we're like, we're entertained by this. We want to see it. We want to know more, you know, there's still survivors and, and family members that, this is probably hurtful too to see um, over and over again. Yeah, like um, the death of G- uh, Gianni Versace. Um, you know, they they did that story as well, and I believe that you know his family they were not happy about you know that series being done, and just you know they're like there's a lot of things to the story that that's not at all accurate. So I don't know. But and that was another big one too. All all the wow, all those things were all kind of in the same time window within like a three three year window of each other, yeah. I believe. So wow. Like the US is off the chain. We need to chill. Sheesh. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, but 
but yeah, that, that's those are um. I'll be interested in in that case if you don't mind sending me, of course, some yeah. sort of titles for that after the fact. Um, hey, it's share time. Share with us, the listeners, three things that people may not know about you. Um, with comfort. Okay, I used to want to be a journalist, and I interned at Vogue. Which was a pretty big deal because they get um, they accept thirty six people a year and get around forty two thousand applications a year, and I was one of the thirty six in two thousand and eight. Two other things: I used to be a competitive track and field athlete. I was particularly good at high jump and the hundred meters. It annoys my boyfriend that I can run so fast. <laughs> we had a race. I mean, he, he beat me, but not by much. Um, third thing, people think I'm Spanish. Oh, I've got Spanish blood. <laughs> I'm not at all. I speak, I speak very good Spanish, but I'm actually half Caribbean. My mum's from Barbados and my dad is English. And a lot of people don't know that. People in the UK think I've got Spanish blood in me because I speak Spanish and my bachelor's degree was a double major in um, Spanish and English literature. But when I'm in Spain, the, the Spanish know I'm not Spanish. They think I'm South American because my look is my look is very, I, I get Brazilian all the time. If I had a real, which is the, the currency for every time I got mistaken for Brazilian, I'd have enough money to go and train BJJ in Brazil. Well, I mean... Just based on what you described, though, you're not making it easy for people. Well, that's not my fault. <laughs> what can I yeah. say? It's like you're double majoring in, in you know, and in, in, so, yeah, the look's not your fault. But no, yeah, that's like, not my fault. That's not my fault. I will say that I've had people who've asked about you as a guest on here. And, you know, um, with you being in Madrid, everyone's like, oh, the Spanish girl. It's like, well, she's she's not. Spanish. Like you heard me talk. I'm like I've got a very British accent. I my my accent is very southern, very southern. Yeah. So and it's funny because it's like people have heard the episode and they hear you talk, <laughs> and it's like, so wait, you mean to tell me you've listened to this woman speak and you hadn't seen her other than like if you go into her Instagram, you know she's from Madrid or she's in Madrid. So you immediately just connect. Oh, Spanish. She's Spanish. And Look at her. My name is not Spanish at all. <sighs> well, you know, people. Yeah. They're interesting. They're interesting. People mm. are interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've had people at work when they call work and I answer the phone and they come into the office and they see it's me and they're like, oh, um, no offense, but we thought you were white. I'm like, well, I'm not offended, but what should I have sounded like just based off of what I look like? You know, and it, it turns into an interesting conversation. I have fun with it. It's it's all fun and games and jokes. I'm lighthearted about it, but some people actually get really offended. It's like, oh, yeah. you... it's a stereotype. It's a yeah. stereotype of how people sound. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I always find it interesting. Like, well, there's certain like tenants. Both my my manager and I were black, 
And when we have to call people to collect rent, we'll look at certain names and we'll stereotype. And we're like, oh, let me call this one. <laughs> and then I'm not even going to repeat what I've said on answering machines and in what tone, but it's like, look, I can play this game too. Yeah. Um, so it's always interesting what people may know or may think or may assume about about us. So yeah. ooh, I have a question though. Uh you know that you you lift weights and stuff, you strong. Um what's your uh favorite lifts? Deadlifts. Deadlifts. Deadlifts without a doubt. Perfect, because I'm sitting here looking at my weights right now. I was like, I hope she says deadlift. Um because that's all I had well not been doing, but all I really have my basement set up for deadlifts. <laughs> Like nothing else, I don't have a bench anymore. But um, what's your max on your deadlift? I don't know what it is in pounds, but in kilos, it's 140 kilos. I don't um, know the conversion. Let's see here. That looks like that's that's seven of these plates here. So that sounds like a fucking lot. I get. I can lift a lot. Yeah. Look at you, girl. That you know. <laughs> see, you you you're gonna be back out there in that in no time. Strong and ease, everything. Like just breaking people up what's your favorite submission oh good a very good question i'd say triangles and footlocks i, I was hoping to say triangle because i was like look deadlifting you're gonna go out there and triangle people and snap the necks i mean you, you you get a murder charge for that but um i'm just under five foot seven but i'm basically all legs i've got very long legs so that serves me pretty well with my game in jiu-jitsu for some reason i thought you were a little taller not much taller like I thought you were like five nine. I'm 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 almost certain you told me you're five seven, but in my head I think I just said no, you're five nine. Just yeah, I definitely didn't tell you I'm five nine because I'm not five nine. No, I'm certain I just made it up. I think I was just like I don't believe that five seven. Nah, I'm gonna add two more inches there. You're you're, you're five <laughs> nine now. And then, but then when I see people, like I had a friend, she said she was five eleven. I suspect she was misquoted I, i'm certain she said 511 but when i went to her wedding and she's in the hills i think she was in hills i was taller than her and i'm not 511 i was like huh maybe i just made up 511 did you maybe she said 411 i don't know <laughs> uh, I, I, well i hope not like it's like oh my goodness like then, then her heels were super heels. I mean, I was only <laughs> slightly taller. Than her. I think I was like an inch taller than her. But um, we, it was, it's weirdly, it was an internet friend I had never met in person. She invited me to her wedding. Oh, and that's nice. That's really sweet. It, it was, it was a fun experience. We flew down to Florida. It was just basically like we flew down on a Saturday morning, landed, went to the wedding, went back to the hotel, ate a pizza. Woke up the next morning, went back to Maryland. And when we got to uh, to the wedding, like, I find, you know, I meet her and her husband and got a picture with them. And the only picture I got with them, my eyes are closed. Oh, like a, no. I, like a doofus. I was like, oh, are you shitting me? Like, <laughs> like, I, if, like, if I could go back in time, that's the one thing I would change in time. I wouldn't go back and, like, do anything heroic. I would go back and, like, dude, open your eyes just have a good picture um if you could travel back in time though when would you go and where would you go good question right 
Good question. Where would I? Um, back in time, I would say the swinging 60s because it looks like everyone had fun there. Hmm. Here or there? Oh, the UK. I don't know oh. what the 60s were like in, in the US. Mm-mm, nah, girl, you don't want to come over here during the 60s. No. <laughs> it was rough. Like, I wasn't there, but uh, I heard some stories. Yeah. Rough yeah. times. Um, but that's cool. Like, see, now I'm like super interested, like, in, in, in your culture. It's like, oh, I want to know about that now. Like, people are having a blast in the 60s back then. I got yeah, pe- yeah, people. Yeah. Look, it look, I mean, obviously, I wasn't around. Um, but yeah, it looked, people were. Uh, happy spreading love and just not it's not literally swinging maybe that did go on i don't know but you know people <laughs> who people knows seem, people seem happy you know so yeah i'd say that period so i think the 60s was similar um like the late 60s was similar to that as well here because you had uh the hippie movement and yeah and um you know vietnam was kind of a thing and you know, Woodstock and, you know, STDs and swinging. I don't think it was swinging. I think it's just everybody loved each other, which is a, is a beautiful thing. Good. But you got to kind of think, though, too. It's like y'all are loving each other too much. Any, any of y'all taking a shower? Because from the pictures I've seen, they weren't taking showers. <laughs> I know they were. I could smell some of them through the picture. Oh, my goodness. Actually, when I was in senior, soft, or junior year of high school, we had to do a report and really what it was is like our teacher was the football coach and the other teacher was the soccer coach. I think this was kind of like their way of like, look, they're about to learn and we're not about to teach. So they put us into groups and they made us all do a, a report on the sixties mm-hmm. and everybody had to kind of take a section. Someone would take, you know, sport. I think I was in a group that did sports for the sixties. Maybe I don't, I don't even remember now that I think about it. I I don't know that I did anything. I think I might have had to look up cars of the sixties and I didn't know what I was doing. So I just pulled an encyclopedia and just started pulling pictures of cars that are from the eighties. And I'm pretty sure this one girl in the group, she just did my part of the assignment. I got the A and I was like, Yay, <laughs> thanks. But but um but yeah, it was like the sixties was kind of a interesting time over here. You know, again you had, you know, um, the hippie movement, you had Vietnam going on, you had the NFL was becoming a, you know, a, a thing now. So sports was really picking up. Politics was a little weird. You know, it was, hmm, 60s would be an interesting time to see from the outside. I don't want to go back because over here, I know there's still like a lot of stuff going on with the civil, civil rights movement and yeah. just you know, black folk weren't weren't at all in a good position of anything. So I like to see it visually, but I wouldn't want to be there physically to experience it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, totally. But I mean, I, th- I feel like for black folk, that's a lot of times in history, though. So, you know, yeah, it's like, I don't want to go back to this time, that time or this time, but maybe to the future. Yeah, I don't know. Because I yeah, like to know what's going to happen in, in what we're in 2021. Yeah. I want to know what 2041 looks like. Yeah, it's interesting because even now it is hard and there's a lot going on. 
especially and in the states i think like i always say to my friends with us being in our 40s now it's weird because 20 years ago if you're in your 40s you're not starting jujitsu you're not out playing basketball you're not recording podcasts you're doing fantasy football you're not playing video games you're doing 40 year old stuff which i don't know what the fuck that was but, <laughs> you know i'd see you know, I, I had one friend whose dad played video games but everyone else on the block everyone else's dads were like stressed like going yeah. to work come home reading a newspaper taking that pass out on the couch you know shit like that and this one dad he smoked weed and played video games he worked, but he also smoked weed and played video games. And we're being told, you can't do that. That's not an adult. I was like, nah, Dave's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dave's doing pretty well at that. Like, he's, as a matter of fact, he's winning at life. Like, all your hair is gray. Dave's got a beautiful head of hair, and it's all dark, and I don't think he dyes it. So, I don't know. Um, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A teacher. Haha, <laughs> twins. Me too. Yeah, I. This sounds really lame. I know, but I'm going to share it anyway. I used to write down all the names of people in my class and people I knew, and take the register, write a register. I was only about five, so give me a break. But I was, yeah. So I'd write down the names of everyone and take a register. And then I became a teacher and taking the register became a bore, to be honest. But yeah, I've, I don't know. I've just always had this thing about teaching and then te te so it was teacher first and then moved more into academia, researching and, you know, writing papers, etc. I think there's something a characteristic to people who teach and who want to be teachers. I could see that with you just w from what I know of you that yeah. it's like, yeah, that, that, that seems, seems fair. Sorry. My wife's vacuuming upstairs and I could hear a vacuum right above my head. It's like, what are you doing? Oh, vacuum. Um, I, you know, I, it's, I think most of the students that I graduated high school with in the class of 97, I think a good deal of them all became teachers. That's interesting. Um, I I taught preschool for several years, and I was like, I wanted to. Well, I initially went to school to do um, ele elementary education, and they wanted me to go and fill in at a preschool to kind of get a feel for the classroom, which the classrooms aren't at all the same at all, not even close. And I enjoyed being in the preschool setting because they got to play. We got to go out on the playground. We got to build with the blocks. And I was like, dude, I like this. Oh, we got art too? Cool. So, yeah. oh, we get snack? <laughs> you guys get fruit punch? Oh, man, I want to do this. So I just, <laughs> I was like, let me change my major. But I, I think education is an important, important thing. And I wonder how many people, you know, because I've run into teachers who are just teachers, not because, I don't know if it's because they've been a teacher for so long, they're just over it now. or if Yeah, just, there are a lot of people like that, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my third grade teacher did not seem like she wanted to be a teacher. Yeah, you can, a, you can always nice tell, person. you can always tell, you pick up the vibe. Like, like, when we would come to class, we get 
get in school and she just didn't seem like she wanted to be there. But my fourth grade teacher, she was wonderful. She is still my all-time favorite teacher, Mrs. Manders. And she just, she just, you could tell she enjoyed mm. educating and you could see it in her students. You know, I wasn't the greatest student, but in her class, I was well behaved. And not only that, she had this nature to her that, you know, it, it was motherly. Yeah. And for me at that time in my childhood, I needed a mother. Um, I, I was at that point I was in foster care. My foster mom was great, but I was a, you know, eight year old, nine year old kid that didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was just like, Hey yeah. man, I don't see my mom every day, but Mrs. Manders is really awesome. And she's filling that void. She actually yeah. very much reminded me of my grandma. Cause when I moved in with my grandmother, I still got those, those, uh, fills of Mrs. Manders. So big shout out to Mrs. Manders. Back in <laughs> Michigan. Um, so that, that was, that was really it, you know, kind of went down a little rabbit hole there. Um, well, hell, I don't got no more questions. <laughs> um, so I guess we can go ahead and wrap ourselves up here. Um, Tiana, thank you very much for doing this. It's always a pleasure having you on as a guest. So thank, thank you, you for inviting me. I appreciate it. No, no. Like, like I said, I, I would, if it were up to me, I'd have you on as a guest every week, if, you know, or at least every other week, honestly. Oh, thank you. Like, I think at some point people would just be like, why don't you guys just fucking make a show? Like, <laughs> Good call. But, um, but thank you so much. I, I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Um, would you like to uh, do any shout outs or mentions before we get yeah. out of here? Definitely a shout out to Dr. Carl Bascobi, the um, injury sports psychologist who I've been working with. As I said, he's on Instagram at Evolve Your Injury. He is the man to work with regarding getting back into sport following injury and focusing on dealing with your fear of injury. Also, huge shout out to Hyperfly Europe for their continued support and my sponsor, Chris at Excess Guard Mouthguards. Always make sure my teeth are well protected in both training and competition. <laughs> Sorry. Why are you laughing? I had something to say and I was like, I forgot. <laughs> um, I'm so glad. See, this is why I don't do live shows. Although it might be more genuine. Because we were just like, oh, look at them. They're laughing and being silly. Like, no, it's just that I'm dumb and I forget stuff. <laughs> it's not me being silly. Um, so, all right, cool. Excellent. Um, and with uh, Miss Tiana here, she can also be found on Instagram at Tiana underscore Taylor underscore BJJ. I always mention everyone's Instagrams because that's where I tend to talk to more most people um so that's where y'all can find her as well um also i want to throw a shout out to armbar attic this is a instagram account who actually is run by eric and ally also on instagram i don't have their handles on me right now but um they are starting up a t-shirt and rash guard store so Definitely go check them out over at Armbar Attic. And they've got some pretty cool videos that they've been posting, some pretty funny TikTok videos they've got going as well. 
Um, they posted a video recently, and it's the song is stuck in my head. I just keep seeing them dancing. It's like the here it is. TikTok is taking over. So, um, big shout out to those two. Um, also, as always, shout out to Student BJJ, that's Zach, or they're on um, Instagram. And last big shout out to the Colompton Social Club. That's my other show with my good buddy Steve, but he likes to go by Thor Bentley on Instagram. <laughs> so go find him. But his real name is Steve. His middle name is Thor. And for a long time, he was embarrassed by that. And then the movie came out. I was like, you son of a bitch. Don't you try to cash in on that name now. You passed that up for years. If I had the letters T-H-O-R, my name, anywhere out of my first, middle, and last name, you'd be calling me Thor. So I don't. That's a I don't, great name. It's that's fucking a, awesome. That's an amazing name. Dude, I, like, I remember when uh, my wife was pregnant. And she was like, if it's a boy, do you want to name him Thor? Because <laughs> she was like, to be spiteful. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, so I was like, fuck no. Like, he, like, he diminished that name. Um, fortunately, we had a girl. So, you know, we, we didn't have to worry about that. We, we already, when we started dating, we picked out a girl name. It was kind of weird, like very early on. Like when I say started dating, like probably like three days in. Like, so if we had a kid, we didn't name it. <laughs> It's like, um, are you hinting at something here? Like, no, like, okay, but um, but yeah, check out uh, the Colompton Social Club on Instagram, Facebook. There's a TikTok somewhere. I think I run the Twitter. Uh, oh, in the podcast. So uh, check us out, y'all. But um, otherwise, thank you, everyone. Again, you guys are great. I'm always having a blast doing these shows and having wonderful guests on as well. So. Because of you all listening, you know, it gives me the motivation to keep doing this. So thank you. So as long as y'all keep listening, I'm going to keep making this. So thank you so much. I love you guys. They Now let me sing songs.